Silver Mountain, episode 11. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. You can check it out at savagegoldcoffee.com. And it's also on Instagram if you want to see pictures of coffee, cool mugs, stuff like that. Me blending butter and MCT oil with Savage Gold Coffee first thing in the morning. All that stuff's on the Instagram, so you can go check it out. Much love and respect to all the Patreon bros. If you want to support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can make a huge difference. For those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of a subscription-style platform where there's different tiers of, of uh, involvement, you can pledge a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, etc. You get free content, advanced content, and um, all this other cool stuff. So, and also, it's a way for you to monetarily support this effort. I have uh, my goals and objectives all broken down on the Patreon page, and uh, you can find that page by going to everythingwithblackmedia.com. There's a pop-up window. It'll take you to it. And it kind of breaks down what my goals and aspirations are. Also on the Facebook page for Everything Went Black, the Patreon um, you know, page is pinned to the top. So one of the things I'm trying to do, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm getting pretty ambitious with my efforts. I'm trying to move this into the future, step things up, include a video component of this, uh, do some sort of uh, docu-series, that sort of stuff. And... Um, with the money that I raised on Patreon so far, I actually shot a pilot. I just got the rough cut this morning, thanks to Dave Mercado, my partner in this, who's also a podcast listener. We joined forces and um, hired a couple of guys to help us out, and we shot this really cool pilot doc- pilot documentary. And um, probably, I imagine, in the next few weeks, we'll be zeroing, zeroing in on uh, finishing this thing up. This evening, I will spend the rest of the night looking at this cut and uh, sort of zeroing in on it. One of the things I'm hoping to do is for those of you who have supported the podcast through Patreon, you will get a director's cut of this pilot episode to enjoy. 
well in advance. So once we've decided we got something good, I'm going to share it with you guys who are on Patreon. And uh, Dave and I are going to shop this thing around. And best case scenario, somebody picks it up and we're able to fund and shoot an entire season of this docuseries. So um, I'm really excited about it. It was pretty cool because this money all came from you guys and your contributions through Patreon. And I want to do more things like this and want to upgrade everything. My computer's on its way out. As a matter of fact, I'm not even using Pro Tools to uh, record anymore, which is sort of a blessing in disguise. I'm recording this episode with Adobe Audition, and uh, I'm finding that it's actually way easier than the Avid components. Using Pro Tools for years, one of the hardest things I ever dealt with with that platform is adding hardware. You got to it just never seemed to sync. It would take you hours, days, to get all that stuff synced up together and working. With Audition, I basically just plugged my trusty 003 in, and it showed up in a list of devices. What can you ask for? So anyway, I'm trying to upgrade all this stuff, get things happening. Patreon is the way I'm trying to do it. You know, not taking any sponsorships or any of that sort of stuff, just doing it all on the steam of us cool people who like cool stuff and just sort of moving things forward in that vein some of the things that i have offered is exclusive tunes tracks um the david bowie cover sam hain cover the audiobook of lifetime of gray skies is also available and um, working on some other new tidbits of things demos that sort of stuff to share with you guys so the first order of business i wanted to hit in this podcast is uh the cancellation of the tour dates that were supposed to start on Friday. And uh, so Monday morning rolls around. I wake up. First thing I do is get some coffee in me. So I move on to the uh, email and social media messaging and all that sort of great stuff that I have to check every day. I received a series of messages of people wanting to know if we were still going to be playing the shows in Toronto, Montreal, and uh, some of the other cities that we were going to be sharing the stage with Bloodbath at. And I was uh, perplexed because I thought, hey, you know, these dates are starting in four days. And um, as far as I know, everything's on track. So I held off answering these questions until I contacted our manager, Mark. So I texted him. It was still early on the West Coast. And uh, a little bit later, he texted me back, and he's like, hey, I just got off the phone with our booking agent, and the bloodbath dates are off. Apparently, the dates were canceled due to um, some visa issues, and that's all I know. I can't speak intelligently about what actually happened. Um, I'm assuming it's, you know, something that was uh, unavoidable uh, since... You know, the people involved in Bloodbath are all in very big, successful metal and rock bands. And their management has been able to get them into the United States many times over the past. So I'm assuming there's some extenuating circumstances that came into play. The visas were not approved and the shows were canceled. You know, I mean, it's we were only doing four dates on this run. I mean, they had Maryland Death Fest and some dates out in California, not to mention the plane tickets, cost, cost on merchandise, all this stuff. So, I mean, these guys definitely are looking at taking a big hit 
by not having these shows happen. So it's unfortunate. Um, for me, I was, uh, you know, kind of disappointed to say the least. You know, not so much for the money. I mean, whatever. We get paid to do this stuff. We're professionals. It's more of the lack of purpose that I was gearing up to to be manifesting what I consider to be my purpose on this world is to play music and be creative and express myself through music. I was gearing up for eight days of doing this and now I'm not doing any of that. The shows that we had booked on our own due to logistical reasons, uh, we also decided to cancel those. I mean, we had dates with Bloodbath all the way up into Canada so to cross the border, deal with that for one date on our own, and then double back through two more days in uh, Vermont and Maine, which is quite far away from here, having to rent a van, all this sort of stuff. It just felt wise to postpone those dates and hopefully rebook those at another time, and we'll get a chance to head up there again on a well-planned, executable tour that we'll be able to hit that part of the country. I know that Maine and Vermont are typically not on the tour schedules of a lot of bands, and I really apologize to anyone out there who was planning on going to those shows. And, um, you know, it's just, I wanted to go up there, but the sort of logistics costs associated with that and also losing half of these dates we had booked uh, was sort of prohibitive in us continuing with this mission. But nonetheless, I'm hoping to get back up there at some point soon. So to you guys up there, once again, I offer my sincerest apologies. And I will see you down the line, hopefully soon. Also, Barishi, the band that we were scheduled to do those dates with, they are continuing to play those shows. So they're a great band. If you're in... If you're planning on checking that show out in Quebec City, Brattleboro, Vermont, and Portland, Maine, still go to the show and support Barishi. They were there for us. They wanted to do these dates. They're local to the area, so for them, it was a, lot, a little bit easier. It was less of a factor to do the shows and follow through. So by all means, go to the show and check them out and uh, hopefully have a good time. So once again... I'll see you guys down the line. We've got uh, some dates that we're going to be announcing in August. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about one of these things. I mean, I'm excited about going out and doing all these dates anyway. But one particular thing, one the, the, the silver lining, I guess, of these bloodbath shows falling through is that a really cool show in New York City in August is actually going to happen. We were offered to play with a band that is one of my all-time top five favorite bands of all time, on par with, say, Neurosis, that is going to be playing a one-off show in New York City in August. We were offered this, and then the offer was withdrawn due to what is called a radius clause, which basically states that you can do this show, but you're not able to do any other shows in the area or in that city uh, for a determined period of time. And that unfortunately, that bloodbath date in New York City fell within the radius of time that we were not able to play in New York. So now that date is not happening, 
this awesome show in August is once again on the table for us. Deep down, I think this is what I was hoping for. So I guess the universe has an odd way of giving you the things that you want in a roundabout way. I mean, if it was up to me, I would be able, I would do all these things, but you got to play by the rules sometimes. I would love to tell you guys who it is, but at this point of the game, I'm not allowed to. You got to play that game. You know, they want everyone involved, managers, booking agents, the band itself. You know, they want to announce this thing. So who am I to short circuit the process and announce it to my my buddies out here on the podcast? Because you know, word will get out, and uh, they want to they want to announce it to everybody. But. It's one of my top five favorite bands of all time, a band that has influenced me for decades of my life. And it's really, really, really important to me that we do this show. And I'm excited. I've seen this band perform many times. Uh, They don't perform often. They had a new record come out recently in the last year. And I'll leave it at that. And um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's great news. The silver lining, I guess, behind all of this stuff. One of the topics of this episode that I wanted to ruminate on was fear and death. And uh, I'm 49 years old. Soon, I'll be 50 years old. You know, most of my life, by all accounts, is over. Certainly, the best years are behind me. And who knows how many years I actually have left. People like to say 50 is the middle of your life, assuming that you live to be 100 years old, but who makes it to 100? I might only have 20 years left on this planet, and I can remember being 25 like it was yesterday. I can remember living in Boston. I can remember going to the Rat, seeing shows. I can remember being in Europe, touring with Fetus for the first time, and that seems like yesterday, and that's a quarter of a century ago, half of my life ago. The kind of fear that creeps in once you start hitting this point in your life is not something like I'm afraid of getting mugged or afraid of the dark or, you know, I'm afraid of some people jumping me at a, you know, in an alley somewhere. It's not that kind of fear. It's uh, this kind of insipid fear that creeps in in the middle of the night when you wake up and you stare at the ceiling and you realize that. I might not be able to do all of the things that I wanted to do when I was a young man that I had seen myself doing. I might not accomplish all the goals that I had. And this is the kind of fear that I'm experiencing right now. I'm looking back on my life, a lot of good times, a lot of really cool stuff. Creatively, I've done pretty much everything I've wanted to do. I mean, I continue to push forward, you know, with the band and other endeavors I feel like I've lived a life that has been geared towards manifesting those goals at the expense of some of the other parts of my life. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm looking back and seeing some of the things that's most likely never going to happen for me. I most likely will never have a family of my own or be a father or any of those things. Not at this stage of the game. And um, I'm, I'm at peace with that. You know, it just wasn't in the cards for me. And um, 
there's a bit of sadness that comes with that because I think deep down, even even when I was a young man and in this sort of all or nothing phase of my life, I always thought that down down the down the road at the end, you know, I'd I'd have something like that to enjoy, but that probably won't happen. So I have to make peace with that. The things that are under my control, I'm going after with enriched vigor and zest, with gusto. Every year I have a list of goals that I want to accomplish, and I do everything I can to accomplish those goals. So knowing that the clock is ticking, knowing that I've crossed the chasm, I've made it more than halfway across at this point, knowing that the abyss is just around the corner, that I have to get all this stuff done. So it's with that fear that I move forward and I try to get all this stuff together and I try to accomplish as much as I can before I step into the great unknown. As most of you know, I'm a big fan of movies. So last night, I was trying to find something to watch. You know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, iTunes, all that sort of stuff. So I saw the movie California with a K come up in my stream. Now, I've seen this film back in the 90s. And uh, back then, I watched the entire thing. And I wasn't very impressed by it. As a matter of fact, I straight up didn't like the movie. You know, it was definitely um, a pale version of some of the things that I was into at the time. Now, those of you who were at a reasonable age in the 90s might remember that serial killers and, you know, stories about murder and, you know, lone highwaymen, that kind of stuff was like, that was kind of like in the American consciousness in a way that it might not be in the American consciousness now. You know, a lot of, you know, Charles Starkweather, um, you know, Charles Manson was uh, was someone that people thought about. Uh, there were other movies such as um, Natural Born Killers starring Woody Harrelson that were out in the theaters. And, uh, you know, people were in that mindset, you know, of some guy on a murder spree with some hot chick riding beside him, running across America and just raising hell. And uh, that was like, uh, you know, murder uh, books about serial killers. There was the Answer Me uh, zine by Jim Goad had an entire issue devoted to serial murder. And that was back in the 90s. So out of boredom, I tuned into this uh, movie and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't like this back in the day, but maybe just as a nostalgia trip or some kind of, you know, fun sort of distraction that I might enjoy this movie. So I checked it out. California with a K. Um, Start Brad Pitt, Juliette Lewis, David Duchovny, and the lovely Michelle Forbes. Now, Brad Pitt, I've never been a fan of his. Yeah, I just think he was a bad actor. Juliette Lewis, on the other hand, quite fond of her work in other films. David Duchovny only as Fox Mulder and possibly in Californication, I think his work sort of stands out in those two roles, but I've never really seen him in anything else that I like. 
too flat, no emotion. Michelle Forbes, I don't know what ever happened to her. I think she had a career in the 90s and then just faded off. I don't know. Because there are several actors and actresses who I oftentimes wonder what happened to their careers as the 90s turned into the 21st century. So anyway, I lasted maybe five, ten minutes, and I just turned it off. The movie was terrible. And if anyone out there disagrees with me, please feel free to uh, argue your, your case with me. But I thought it was, it was awful. It's funny because Brad Pitt's work in Fight Club, a movie that I am fond of on several levels and I've written about, in, uh, in places like Invisible Oranges, I wrote an article about Fight Club that maybe some of you have, uh, have read. And, um, you know, that, that movie, Brad, I think that's Brad Pitt's shining moment. I forgot so much. I enjoyed his work in that film so much that I forgot of the 90s years where he was awful. And I, I'm going to venture to say that I think Fight Club is really the only film where I actually enjoy his work. In, on an interesting note, the movie Snatch came out within a couple of years of Fight Club. And I thought Brad Pitt's work in that film was equally as dismal as it was in Californication. California with a K, rather. California, not Californication. With a K. So what does all this have to do with anything? David Fincher is a great director. That's the takeaway from some of this stuff. But also, it made me think of Fight Club, where there were times in that film when faced with death, when some of the uh, Operation Mayhem guys were in a car and Brad Pitt was driving, or the Tyler Durden character was driving, and he let go of the wheel and sort of let things go where they may. And he challenged each one of the guys in the car, what would you do? What, what, what is the one thing that you regret not doing before you died? And everyone had a different answer. And as the years go by, I keep thinking about that question. And I'm starting to make a list of things that I would be disappointed that I hadn't done by the time I died. So, you know, it's a little dark, but hey, death and mortality. I'm going to keep this one short. These uh, episodes with no guests uh, are fun to do as long as they're brief. So on that note, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope to see you guys out there at some point. And I hope everyone's living the life that they want to live. And with that, I bid you guys good night.